Welcome to the CMI Global Podcast. The following message was recorded at the CMI Global Regional Meeting on May 27th and 28th, 2016. If you would like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting cmiglobal.info. We hope this message is a blessing to you. I, I really want to thank all of you for coming. Um, the topic that, actually, when we started this um, Shortly after uh, Dennis took over as the overseer, we started talking about the importance of developing community. And so my topic actually is ministry with community. And um, our church started back in, in 2002, and, and it began with myself and, and Pastor Joe and a, about 25 people. And we met in a high school for, for a while, and we had to do all the same kind of stuff that maybe, you know, average small churches start out with. Um, and you, you said you didn't have a, a camera? All right. Zach, before she leaves, give her one of the cameras that we have actually in the back. All right. She can take that, and we can set it all up, and you can have one. It's like 3,300 lumens, and if we can help you build a screen or whatever. Um, and, and one of the things that I think is really important is, is when you, when you minister with community and, and with that mindset of community, it's always about pulling resources, all about, about bringing people together and, and, and looking at that. And when, when we started talking about this whole topic um, and saying, well, we're going to look at experienced pastors and, you know, tell people what you know, I, very little. And, and the one thing that, my background was in was was teaching and coaching, and so as a coach, what one of the things I always did in putting a staff together was I looked for people better than me, and got as many good people that I believed were better at certain areas than I was, and then I cut them loose. And so what you see in the church is a product of that. Um, what you see behind me is nothing more than Pastor Zach and Pastor Brian, Pastor Brian's wife Julie, who's in the back, uh, my daughter Danielle. Um, and a team of people that they put together to come up with this idea of making the screen bigger and kind of doing set design. We originally had two big screen TVs that we had our, our words go on TVs, and, and we still have those around here or whatever. And, and what I've always done is I looked for people and said, okay, let me recognize what your talent is, and then my job as a pastor is to make you look really good. And so we kind of get out of the way. And, and when we started the church, um, I did all the preaching. I, do, I don't do that anymore. Matter of fact, the series that we have coming up right now, we have now a preaching team of myself, uh, Pastor Zach, Pastor Brian, the three of us get together, talk about what do you think is next. I preach through books of the Bible. We break it up. We talk about the title. This whole one that's coming up on Minor Prophets is being carried off by Pastor uh, Brian. It's his idea. It's his kind of baby. It's his title. We kind of get together on Friday afternoons, break it up. I sit there, assign it all out, and come up with creative ways of what are we doing, how are we doing this, and we kind of just work our way through through Scripture. And so um, the way that we began to minister, or, or the, this kind of change occurred probably um, maybe four or five years into um, our church here. And, and uh, I 
I, when I first started, like many of you, every, like you start pastoring and you think, holy smokes, people are just going to flock to the church. You know, we're going to pray them in. We're going to believe it. It's going to be great. And, and then you kind of realize that's not how it works. And um, I stumbled on this uh, years ago, years ago, and started kind of wrestling with how, how to put this together. And um, so this whole aspect has a lot to do with maybe my journey, and hopefully my journey can benefit you on your journey. And, and I'm kind of a journey guy. I'm a, I'm a big believer in uh, what's referred to as the way. And so this all comes out of something really simple. And I don't know if you have your Bibles. I think that might pop up on the screen. It may not. I'm going to read it out of a kind of a really modern translation just because, well, it's, it's different. It's just easier to read. And I think it makes a little bit more sense of where a lot of people that come to our church are at and how we can look at how to involve them in ministry uh, here in, in this community or your community so that you can start to do ministry together with the understanding of how to minister in-house then to take that ministry to your community. And, and, and that's pretty much everything we do kind of flows out of this. And our staff understands this. The people in the church probably get it really well. But one of the most intriguing chapters in, in the Bible I, I found is in, in John 14. And everybody's going to know this and probably can recite this. But there, um, Jesus is talking about the way, the way to the Father, the way to God, the way to the kingdom, the way to eternal life, this, this way. And he, he starts out, and this is, again, it's, it's, it's prior to him going to the cross, and he's kind of setting the stage. And he begins and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. And aren't you glad for that? If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Literally, I, if, if this isn't true, I wouldn't have told it. And he says, when, when everything's ready, I'm going to come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Words, I am. You know, that you're going to be with me where I am. I am, I am, that I am. I am. And he goes on and says, well, you know the way where I'm going. And so instantly this question kind of pops up, which most of our people are asking constantly in their life, a question that, I'll be honest with you, I've asked an awful lot in the ministry, an awful lot in in this whole concept of how do I serve, how do I lead, how do I guide, how do I direct, how do I, quote, unquote, pastor people? How, how does this happen? So Thomas, one of my heroes, steps forward, giving Peter a break in the avenue of stupidity. So he's going to step forward. And he goes, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Here we get it, the way. We're, he says, look, we're going somewhere. We're on this journey. You know I'm not going to be here. I'm going to leave. But you know where we're going. He goes, no, I don't. He's been walking with Jesus for, for years. And, and right away, with the honest, as, as the most honest response, the most real response of a real person in real time, dealing with real issues, real questions, real 
kind of conceptual, I don't try to figure out who you are, what's happening, how this is working, are you the Messiah, are you not the Messiah, are you the one, are you not the one? I, I, no, I don't know where you're going. And so then Jesus makes the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, if you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. Now, from now on, you know him and you have seen him. And then Philip steps in with his whole issue, which is, well, if you just show us the Father, then that'll be enough. Our people want to just see. Seeing is never enough. God could show up right now. It's not going to be enough. History has proven that. Israel proves that. The whole history of the church proves that. It's just not enough. It's never enough. It's never enough because of this this encasement that our soul is in called the body. It's just never going to be enough. So part of then our role, my perspective, this is just my opinion, part part of what we do then is we help people discover the Jesus way. Part of what we do. It's a big part of what we do. Maybe the majority of what we do is, is help people um, kind of figure this out. And, and one of the things we battle with in, in churches, at least I know that I have being here, is some people will, will gravitate more towards the academic side, which is the, the, the truth. They, they, they're fine with the truth. They'll recite the truth. They, they, they read the truth. They're into the truth. However, the truth is a product of the way. It's a means, not an end, if you will. We're on this journey. We're walking away. We're trying to learn the Jesus way. And so we have people then that somehow we've got to be able to to, um, give them the truth, teach them the truth in order to figure out what this Jesus way is, how to imitate that. You know, the Apostle Paul says to the church, what? Follow me, imitate me, as I imitate Christ, right? As, as I'm on the way, as I'm imitating him, just do the same, and the, 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 the truth will help you. And we've already heard it's the truth that'll, that'll set you free. But we have people just like in, in Jesus' day. They're, they're looking for the way to what? They're looking for the way to spiritual maturity. They're looking for the way to healing. They're looking for the way to restoration and relationships, looking for the way to maybe financial security. They're looking for the way to good parenting. They're looking for the way to being a good neighbor. They're looking for the way. They're trying to figure all of this out and, and, and how, that, how that operates. And so our job is to uncover that. And so his promise is intriguing to me because his, his promise is that if we're, if we're following Jesus, if we're, we're, if we're on the way, then naturally we're going to be confronted with truth, which gives us the opportunity to either obey or disobey. Now, what do we do with that then will ultimately bring us life or no life. Now, a lot of our people um, come to us just as, as, as kind of broken people, as all people, every one of us sitting here at deal with that. There's, life has a way of, of, of inflicting holes in our soul. Now, you cannot heal a hole in your soul. I have a couple adopted kids. We have three, two that are reactive attachment kids. All three have in, inflicted and undergone trauma, 
And so I've, I've learned a lot about what happens to the human soul as a result of trauma. That never heals. You can, you can guide people through it. You can talk to people through it. But there is a way in which the soul is healed. And it's the healing of the soul that ultimately does what? It gives us life, right? That's why he says, I am the way that you learn by imitating me, which is obeying my truth. If you do that, the way ultimately brings you life, which brings you back and continues on the way, which brings you to the next part of truth that ultimately will bring you to the next part of life, which is part of the way, which continues to bring you to the next avenue of truth, which ultimately, whether you obey or disobey, will bring you life, which brings you back on the way, and we just kind of matriculate all the way on to this place where this kingdom, this place is that's coming to us. And so all of us in in CMI are learning that. We all discovered what it's like when community doesn't operate. You can't have community through a website. I don't care what anybody says. There has to be real people on people. It just, it it doesn't work that way. We've discovered it doesn't work that way. And the last, you know, couple weeks ago in in, uh, the, the regional in the Midwest to this tells us that very thing. There has to be something that is that's communal, that's that's sharing, it's it's equipping, it's it's doing all of this together. And so the whole part of this is this this constant reminder to our people that you know we're not strangers, we're not out in the cold. We can know the way. Which is should kind of like wow, that's 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 a, a kind of a, a great thing. So what then is the way of developing community? Well, if you go over to the next book, Acts. Everybody gets all excited about Acts, and you go, okay, this is really cool. And in the early church, you know, the early church was so screwed up. It's, it's unbelievable when you study it. But yet, the more screwed up you seem to be, I find in Scripture, the more screwed up the church, the more in the center of God's will they are. Corinth. It's, it's, this, it's this dichotomy of God, this, this you know... Oxymoron of screwed up will, screwed up what we, you know, and, and, and we screw it up by thinking it's something that it's, it's really not. And, and so Acts 2.42, I, I like it because the, the first thing that the believers do, you've got all these Jews converting to Christianity, you've got Gentiles that are hearing the message all over and they're hearing it in their native tongue and, and nobody really knows what they're saying, but everybody is hearing it and they're going, oh my gosh. And, and so the first thing they do, what are the first thing they do? They form a community. They form a church. This goes against the grain. I don't know if anybody have ever had people that you're friends with or, or whatever that have made this statement. I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Okay, if you make that statement, you don't know the way. You hate the church? Then look at Jesus because where do you find him? In organized religion. Every Saturday. High priest of God, bringing the kingdom, facing the high priest of man, a Sadducee named Caiaphas. Submits himself to this guy, knowing that this guy ultimately is going to order his death. Goes out of his way. Has a bunch of people that hang with him in community. Some who will deny him. One who will betray him. Most of these guys who don't like each other. So what does he do? He forces community. He takes a guy, a zealot, who likes to kill tax collectors and makes them roommates. And find it phenomenal. 
it's the ultimate. So look at what, what they do. They take this, this, this model from, from Jesus. And says, so the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, comma, and to. So here's the teaching. What are they teaching? Most of us think we're just teaching truth. We're teaching doctrine. I'm not so sure. I think they're teaching how to play nice in the sandbox. We have, the biggest problem that we have, and people in, in the church here hear me all the time say, this, is, this, is, this, this whole thing called Christianity is a big sandbox. You have the choice to take your pail and shovel and leave because somebody threw sand in your face, or you can play and figure it out. But most of us deal with this issue, struggling. And you heard Dennis talk about that, you know, some of the struggles that we face. But the struggles are not to preclude community, the struggles are there to enhance community. It's, it's, I don't know. I think God does it to get a kick out of it. I'm, I'm not sure. But the whole purpose of community is this. This group of people get together to do one thing, to form a community with the purpose of developing devotion or in our, you know, if you step out of the Christianese, just a deep commitment. A deep commitment to something. And, and I think it's a deep commitment to be able to fulfill the great commandment that Jesus talked about. To learn how to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and, and love your neighbor like yourself. And the rest, anything else, it's just all gravy. And so they form a community to do that. So they're going to be committed to teaching, to fellowshipping, worship, prayer, all of those things. And so all of this is in in opposition to doing this by themselves, individually. Because here's the point, and, and I believe this with all of my heart. If we're not right with other people, then there's no possible way we can be right with God. It's what drives me crazy about modern church. If we're not right with one another, then how in the world can we tell people we're right with God? So we have people that come into our church that are struggling on the way, trying to figure out the way, how it works, and they've got a messed up relationship with their spouse. They've got messed up relationships that they're trying to, to cover to figure out how is, how is restoration possible for me. I don't know how to parent. I don't, know how, I don't have my money right. I don't have any of this stuff right. My relationship with other people is screwed up. But praise God, because all I've got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved. And I have two minutes. I have a messed up relationship. Right in my way. And so what we have here then is, is this, this whole issue of, um, of figuring out how to discover community. So here's, here's how. It's, and it's so simple. And it, it kind of, you know, the way, the truth, and the life, all of this working together. Well, we discover community, you know, in, in this little axe model in worship. It's natural, right? It's just natural. Worship is, is the first and easiest way. Weekly services. Now, what most of you realize is something that your people do not realize. That every time we worship, miracles happen. We don't need to work it up. We don't need smoke and mirrors. We don't need to be loud. We don't need to play a role. All we need to do is be real people in real time that open their heart and sing. 
Now, now follow me on this. There is something that's called the sacrifice of praise, right? Okay. There used to be a song. We bring the sacrifice of praise where? Into the house of the Lord. Okay. Why? Why did they write that? Because in the Old Testament, when a person brought a sacrifice, he would bring it to a priest. Priest would slit it, drain it, skin it, barbecue it. Smoke would rise up, barbecue. How many people know when somebody's barbecuing? There's a great smell, okay? So there's this great smell. The priest in the Old Testament, in the temple, while all this is going on, is doing something. A person is bringing sacrifice for what reason? They're asking God to do something. They're asking God, I have two minutes. They're asking him to do something. What is it that they're asking him to do? They're asking him for more time. They're asking him (laughs) for... For, for healing. They're asking him for restoration. They're asking him for rescue or salvation. They're asking him for something. The priest stands there and, and is this go-between guy intersecting the kingdom with the need and the person. That's the reason Jesus said, pray that the kingdom would come and that God's will would be done. Bang. That's what happens in worship. Every time people gather, at least two, we have community. When there's community, when there's worship, guess what happens? Every prayer the person in the seats are praying is answered. Otherwise, Matthew 7.38 is a lie. Everyone who asks receives. See, what, one of the things that drives me crazy about Christianity, I don't want to offend anybody, is this. We think the more people I get to pray for my need, the better chance I have of getting an answer. <laughs> Two, I think the more people, maybe it hinders. I don't think that's the way. I don't think it's the truth, nor do I think it brings you life. So I'm just saying that. So we're learning about the way. We're learning about one another in community, in worship. We're learning how to get along. We're learning how to play nice. We're learning how to make sure that our pails, we're not whacking each other with it. We're not hitting people with shovels. We're not gossiping. We're not slandering. We're not wounding any of that. And so we're, we're really learning the importance of pulling people together, like what you see here. I've, I've learned the importance of pulling people together so that we are not guilty of, of, of taking people and or allowing people or forcing people, either or, to keep their talent buried in the ground. Jesus taught a parable about that, if you remember. We cannot allow our people to keep their talent in the ground, nor can we be the reason that they keep their talent in the ground. We want five talent, ten talent people. One talent is fine as long as one becomes two. So we have to just we have to do that. So worship becomes a way that we develop a community. Second, community is valuable in times of adversity. All right? Everybody runs when they have a problem. Adversity is cool. You know, adversity adversity enhances community. So so if there's if there's deep need, if there's if there's struggle, there's some really, really cool things because there's this there's this thing. In, in Scripture, that's always intrigued me. It's this thing called a hedge of God. You ever, you ever you pray for a hedge? God put a hedge around me. Do you know what I, I think in the New Testament? The hedge is all of us as a church that God uses. 
we sometimes we just over spiritualize things and we forget that it's real people, real time, real situations, all coming together uh, in this this commitment of devotion to kind of do this. I'm now I'm out of time, so um, the, 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 there is a risk that goes with this. And and Dennis talked about, and I don't have to, you know, to uh, I'll just let that stand for what it is. But there is a risk, and the, and the risk is this: that you're going to get hurt. And, and people are going to wound you. There's also a risk for the other side because a lot of us can be insecure. And, and we fight this thing two ways. There is the holy man curse where people want to look at you as a holy man, holy woman, and there is the reverse one where we think that we're a holy man, holy woman, and we have to go by titles like, you know, I, let, I, I could care less what people call me. You can call me pastor, you can call me Greg. I, I don't care what you call me. Because nothing good comes from me. Everything comes from God. So once you get out of the way, you know, this place. The first thing I've said to everybody, bring coffee in here. If we spill it, we got spot shot. That's why they invented it. You know, it's a sanctuary. It doesn't mean that it is food-free, stain-free. It's real people. You know, it's just real people. So, so if it enhances it, then fine. If it enhances community, fine. We, we, we didn't have a lobby, so we turned that area back in there into a cafe, lobby, whatever, to enhance all that. But, the, but the, the, the risk that we face is sometimes we get caught up or people get caught up and, and they look at you and, and they want to make judgments on you. You know, we've had people leave the church for this one reason. They got to know me. <laughs> and they'll leave your church for the same reason. You know, we, we've done a lot of different things to invite people into our life. I'm not, which I find very ironic that I pastor, I'm not an over, overtly people person. I have to go out of my way to do that. And, and my wife is an overtly people person, so I'll take a back seat. Zach, overtly people. Brian, overtly people. Pastor Joe, overtly people. We don't need everybody being overtly people. We need some invert type people. And so I've taken that role and I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But there's always a risk because what you'll hear is people will pick at it and go, well, I don't like this. And I think that I can't believe that a pastor would a dress like that, or a pastor would say that, or a pastor. Would... Okay. And, and, and again, you have to be comfortable enough to risk that. You just have to be comfortable enough. It's not fun. It's just, it just comes with it if you want to do that. So ministry in your community, there are some things that we have done that have been really, really successful. We do a lot of, of circle groups. And in this trial by error, we, we've, we have groups that meet in homes. We kind of got rid of our Wednesday night service um, and started doing small groups. Pastor Joe has one that runs constantly, has a big group of people, does a phenomenal job with it. Um, we have uh, young adults I'm going to start doing a married one. Then I'll start doing a, 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 a single one. And, 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 just, and then we have other people that do We have one group that has like 45 people in their small group. It's not even a small group. It's a small church. And, but here's what we've done. Because a lot of people in your church may not be good teachers. Matter of fact, they're horrible teachers. Matter of fact, they're boring people. What I have done and what I found works really well here in keeping community is if I do the work for them and I put the, 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 the questions based on the sermon and shoot it out, then they talk about that during the week. And they discuss more in depth what I'm doing. Um, we do Super Bowl parties. 
here at the church. It's kind of small groups. Men put it on. Uh, we do. Um, we have a care ministry that Pastor Joe oversees where uh, there's a group of people that come around their small group. They get together, and then when there's a need in the church or a newborn or somebody sick, they take that on themselves. It takes a burden off of the staff. Um, Kids Alive, my wife, you'll hear her tomorrow. She has a staff of like 40 people when they do. Uh, we do a, uh, a program that goes out and brings the school kids, public school kids here during the week. They do a service. She does a camp. They have a whole small group that runs there. Um, our youth do this thing called Rake and Run After. On November 1st, we do uh, a big uh, Halloween outreach, and we go into uh, neighborhoods with lights and carnival and all that kind of stuff and do that. The next day, we go and we clean up and we rake people's lawns and break all their, gra- all their leaves. We have all, all kind of things. And what we've done is we've built teams inside so that the teams inside learn how to minister together, that they, they really view this place as their church, not my church, but it's their church, so that if I were to drop dead, this place goes on, okay? And it goes on without a hiccup at all. And so my goal has always been able to work myself out of a job so that I can really look at thinking, what's next? Where do we go from here? How do we do? What's next? What are we, what are we doing in order to help a community here that God has planted us to discover what is the way or the good news that is relevant in your bad news? So how do we flip bad news into good news? And so th- that's the whole part of it. I'm out of time, and it's nine ten, and I went way too long, and I'm sorry. <laughs>